The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 19th chapter. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and say, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord. You may be seated. On Reformation Sunday, this reading from Luke is not the normal gospel reading for uh, Reformation Day, but it is the reading for today, if today wasn't Reformation Sunday, it's the, the reading that follows through uh, in our course of as we've been reading in uh, Luke's gospel. And I thought for today, this reading from uh, Luke's gospel makes sense for us to think about in, in light of the uh, Reformation but also it's an important story to hear for its value on its own. Now, many of us know this story because somewhere in our childhood we learned the song, right? You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Yeah, I can see you singing along, okay? So we learned that song, right? We won't sing it all the way to the end because we're from different parts of the country and we might have learned it a little different and then we'll get it all confused. But you know the song, right? Because that's part of how we learn scripture, that's part of how we learn our faith, uh, is through those songs that we learn uh, as children. So we know the basics of the story, right? We know that Zacchaeus just wants to see Jesus, and because he's, it says he's short, he can't see through all the crowds, so he finds himself a tree to climb up so he can get a better look. Now, there's a lot of things going on here under the surface that we might not really think about. And one of those things is that it wasn't normal for a rich man to climb a tree. In fact, it wasn't normal for a man at all to climb a tree. Tree climbing was meant for a children's activity, not something uh, that adults would do. You also have to wonder in the midst of all of this, if there were kids present, they were probably up in the tree, so did Zacchaeus have to displace a few kids along the way to find his way up into the tree? But whatever is taking place, he wants to be able to see Jesus. And we, as we know, as the story goes, when Jesus comes to that place, to that tree where Zacchaeus is up, up in the tree, Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Or as you remember it from the song, Zacchaeus, you come down, right? Remember those words well. 
And we can think that this is simply a story of Jesus welcoming in uh, just a, yet another person in this gospel story. But there's a lot more to it than that. What Jesus was doing again is kind of flipping the cultural norm on its head. He was doing something that no one expected him to do. In fact, no one wanted him to do, which is why they start grumbling when he does it. So when Jesus invites Zacchaeus to come down from the tree, he's acknowledging him as a human being. He's acknowledging him as one who is in need of salvation. He acknowledges him as one who is important to him on this journey as well. And so we hear it. We hear it that all who saw this said, started to grumble and said, he's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. So there's a couple other little things going on that we have to think about. For Jesus to sit at the table of sinner meant for the, for the culture meant that he was okay with the sin. Okay, does that make some sense? Like if you're associating with this person who is doing these things, then you're acknowledging that what they're doing is okay. So for those watching, that doesn't make much sense. And then also, he invites himself into that person's home. So not only, is he, he, not only is he putting himself in relationship with this person, he's putting himself in relationship with this person in his own home. And so that's an important piece of this to remember as we think about it. And so all the people who are watching this are grumbling because this isn't how you're supposed to act. This isn't how you're supposed to behave in society. Now, one of the things, if, if you've been paying attention, I like to say that this year, haven't I? I've said that a lot. If you've been paying attention in Luke's gospel, there have been lots of moments where Jesus has stepped outside of what culture would tell him to normally do. Jesus had stepped outside and done things that other people didn't expect of him. I want you to think of all of the healing stories in Luke's gospel. There are so many of them. But even a couple weeks ago, we heard of the ten lepers, and they cry out to Jesus for mercy. We hear of the blind man, or the story right before this that we didn't see is the blind man who hears that Jesus is passing by and calls out to Jesus for healing. There's a recognition that when Jesus comes near, that healing is not only possible, but that healing can take place. And so Zacchaeus, it seems, wants some part of this as well. Now on this Reformation Day, I don't want us to get caught up in something too much. I don't want you to think that Jesus offers uh, Zacchaeus salvation because of, uh, because of Zacchaeus's action. Zacchaeus there says, look, half my possessions, Lord, I'll give it to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. I don't want you to see that necessarily as a condition for, for all of these things to happen. But it's a response, and we talk about that often, but it's a response of Zacchaeus to recognizing that Christ has come near. And when Christ comes near, it changes who we are on the inside. It changes the way we see things. It changes the way we look at the world. It causes us to live in a different way. And so Zacchaeus, by being called into this relationship with Jesus, 
decides to do this amazing thing in response. And then we hear these words from Jesus that today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. I think what's also important to hear in that word salvation, uh, we often think of salvation as being something personally for me, for you, uh, for each of us as individuals. But in Jesus' day, salvation was meant for whole groups of people at one time. It's part of why Jesus says today, your whole household has received this salvation. It's not just Zacchaeus. We don't hear if Zacchaeus has a family. We don't hear if his mom and dad are living with him, if whatever else might be going on. But Jesus says your whole household receives this salvation. That this is a gift given to all of you, not just this one who has come before me. Now I want to talk about the grumbling, and I want to talk about what Jesus does in the face of that grumbling. And I want to talk about it in context in what's happening in our world uh, today. It's interesting, I listen to a wide variety of podcasts. I listen to podcasts on leadership. I listen to podcasts on how we should live as human beings. I listen to podcasts um, of all kinds of varieties, uh, church podcasts that uh, talk about leadership in the church, that talk about how the scriptures work in our midst, uh, all of these things. But what amazes me so often is that, uh, and I'll give the Holy Spirit credit for this, is that you can pull a thread through all of these podcasts that hold these different things together. That even though you're learning one thing here and one thing here, there's some similar text that's going through them all. Now, one of the interesting things, and I think this grumbling can't be uh, let go of too easy. One of the podcasts I was listening to, and I think this uh, sits a lot with all of the anti-Semitism we're seeing in our country these days. Uh, but, but the reality is, is that when we can dehumanize another, when we can uh, show disgust towards another group of people, that's the first step into that dehumanization. That's the first step into treating them as somebody other than, than likable, wantable, any of those things. It's why I've said even when we talk about immigration, when we use the term alien, most of us are young enough that we, when we hear the word alien, we think of some creature from some faraway planet, not somebody who lives across the border. So to me, it's important that we talk about immigrants, we talk about refugees, we talk about it in ways that aren't dehumanizing. And the thing that got me in the midst of this uh, podcast was the person who said he had spent a ton of time a ton of time reading a series of tweets. So Twitter, on Twitter you tweet, okay? Maybe you've never been on Twitter, but that's okay. And what it was is that there, was, there were two trolls that he was following. Now a troll on Twitter is simply somebody who's there to stir up trouble. There was a troll on the far right, there was a troll on the far left. And what this troll was attempting, to, what these two trolls were attempting to do, these are real human beings with real human timelines working this narrative out in real time. And so what they're doing is trying to dehumanize the other side. 
cause us to have disgust for the other side. Whatever side of the aisle you're on, have disgust for the other side. Because in doing so, and the scary thing about this is what he puts his finger on is that Russia understands, now this, is, this might be a little too conspiracy theory for you, but just follow for a moment. Russia understands if they can do this, they can actually bring down the democracy. Okay, so that's, that's a whole different scary level, right? Now, if it's, if it's conjecture, I don't think it's conjecture just because of the fact that we can look around us and see that they're right, correct? As our two sides go farther and farther apart, we're more likely to dehumanize the other side. What does this have to do with the Reformation? And what does this have to do with our gospel for today? We in this place are a diverse group of people with a diverse group of thoughts, beliefs, skills, knowledge, all of the gifts that we've been given in our lives. And we don't always agree on everything along the way. In fact, there might be a lot of things we disagree about, but at the same time, we recognize our unity, the unity that we have in Christ Jesus. We recognize that when we come to the table that we're all sinners and we've all fall, fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how successful I am. It doesn't matter how unsuccessful I am. We've all fall, fallen short. So when we come to this table, we come recognizing that we come to the table as a beggar because there's nothing we can do to earn that grace, to earn that salvation. And what we can forget is that part of what holds us then together as the body of Christ is our recognition of Christ in one another. Our recognition of the humanity that we see in one another. And it doesn't just stop here. We need to recognize that when we are out in the world, when we're making judgments of people who have made choices different than our own, that instead of dehumanizing, let's think about the human cost of that. What is the human cost of living on the street? What is the human cost of being addicted to drugs? What's the human cost of being separated from family and friends and those who love you? What's the human cost? Because if we can see the human cost, then we can respond with the compassion that Christ has shown to us. When we see the human cost, we can look into the eyes of another and recognize we see the face of Jesus in that person as well. And this is not easy to do. It's not simple. It's not even something you're going to get right every time. But when you get things wrong, and you will get things wrong, when you look at somebody and you don't see the human in that person, I hope that after whatever thought goes through your head, whatever words come out of your mouth, you might hear yourself for a moment and recognize that God has given me that gift of salvation, God has given you that gift of salvation, and God may very well have given that person, that child of God, that gift of salvation too. That we're not somehow different, we're not somehow foreign, we're not aliens to one another. 
but that together we are beloved children of God. And if nothing else, that we can see that face of God in one another. To recognize how Christ is in our midst. And if Luke's gospel has taught us anything, when Christ is in our midst, things happen. We're meant to look at the world different. We're meant to see things in different ways. So on this Reformation Day, can we see that gift of grace that we have been given? And can we see how that gift of grace has been given to this world? Amen.